Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18. I just want to speak a message tonight. It's just a wee title. is when God calls, when God calls. And I, just as we pray tonight, I just ask everyone in this room, as we pray tonight, that they ask the Lord to give you an ear. And that's an ear of your heart that you're willing, at least be willing tonight, no matter where you are, whether you're saved, you're not saved, you're backslidden, whether you've come tonight and you're not maybe necessarily even interested in being here. But I just challenge uh, everybody tonight, and particularly, I know I shared this morning, I believe, I know the Lord's given me a message for our young people. And not just our young people, but we know that we're living in a, an awful day when our young are being ravished and being destroyed by the powers of darkness. I believe the Lord's got a great plan for young people. And so I just ask you tonight, nobody can make you. I just ask you tonight that you be willing to listen, just to open your heart and to say, I'll listen and God, if you're real, and I, I know he is, but would you speak to me? Because God speaks to individuals. If you're willing to do that, just to say, God, I need you to speak to me tonight. I believe he will speak to you. Because he's a plan and a purpose for every life in this room. And he's a wonderful savior. He's a great plan. He's a great hope to give you an expected end. If you're just willing tonight to do that, just the stillness of these few moments and not be too long tonight, just to say, Lord, I'm willing to listen. I'm going to tell you, friend, you'll hear him. You'll hear him. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we still our hearts, Lord, we believe that we're dealing with eternal matters, with eternal things, not temporal things that are here for a time and they're gone, not the things that give us perhaps pleasure just for a season, but then they leave us empty and dry, but we're dealing with those things which are eternal. And so, Lord, tonight we ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak into our hearts and into our lives for every life in this room tonight. We ask, Lord, give us ears to hear. May we hear the voice of Jesus, that, that you would speak into every life tonight. Would you reveal your wonderful plan of salvation to every life and the purpose that you have for every life in this room. Lord, tonight help us. Help us, Lord, to bring forth thy word, thy truth. Lord, would you minister life. Would you raise up even out of this small company tonight Lord, our young people that love you, want to serve you with all of their hearts. We pray against every lie of the enemy. We pray against the powers of darkness that would come to lie and deceive young people. Lord, we pray tonight that you would just minister your life into every heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Matthew chapter 4, you'll, you'll know these verses very well. The beginning of the ministry of Jesus and he's... He, he's uh, on a mission to gather together a group of men that he would use, ultimately unknown to them, but the revealing of God's purpose was to turn a world upside down through these 
ignorant and unlearned men. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18, we read of the call of these four men by the Sea of Galilee. And it says, And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother. They're casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and they straightway left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and it says, and, and then immediately they left the ship and their father, and they followed him. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word tonight. What a, I just read some of these verses sometimes, and it's just awesome, because when you take it just for a moment, as a man walks the shore, these men are mending their nets, they're getting on with their everyday business, and, and his name's Jesus, we know, but he just simply looks at these men and says, follow me. There was no hesitation. There was no thought. It just seems that immediately they were grasped and gripped by the power of his presence and the authority of his word. That when he spoke into their lives, that, that, and immediately they were willing just to lay everything down and just follow this man, Jesus. And I want to just ask a few questions tonight. I am looking answers, so it's a wee bit of time of interaction. Everyone gets nervous at this time, but it's okay. But I want to ask a question, because this message is directed at youth, and uh, I don't want to offend any of the older ones in any way, or someone who's maybe just in the middle of going from youth into the middle ages of things, because I want this question as simple. When does youth end? Anyone got an answer? There's no right answer, by the way. Anyone want to answer? When does youth end? When do you think that youth is over? <laughs> Anyone want to take a guess? What's that? When you become a parent? It's a good answer, David Isaac. You get your hand up. Mid twenties. <laughs> now we're starting to walk on toes. David, what'd you say? The grave. That's a very good answer. Anybody else? Mid-twenties, when you become a parent, the grave. That was a great answer. David, you're going to get a sweetie if I had any tonight. That was so good. <laughs> Anybody else? When does youth end? When's our youth over? When do we become middle-aged? When do we become old-aged? That's even worse. Saskia? About 32. What age is your daddy? What age are you, Hassan? Oh, it's a... <laughs> No supper tonight, Saskia. Anna, what do you think? Fifties. Hey. Oh, everyone say under fifty, say amen. <laughs> so there's a whole range of ideas that when our youth when our youth is over. In an article uh, a few years back, there was a study done. I don't really believe much of these things, but there was a study done. And it says, on average, in the UK, people believe that youth ends, this is just what they think, it's not scientifically proven, but youth ends at the age of 35. 35. And old age begins, this is going to get real. <laughs> when do you think old age begins? Old age, when do you think it begins? 65. Joshua? 60. You're old if you're 60. 
Saskia, you better be careful here now. Your granny and grand are in front of you. <laughs> what do you think? About 50. Well, listen, that's very good because in the in the survey, it says that old age begins, listen to this, at 58. <laughs> old age, that's what, they say, that's what the survey said. The surveys can be wrong. Don't be worrying about it. It's only an old survey. The figures differ, of course, amongst uh, the age groups. So the young people said that youth ended at 28, right? And somebody said that. And old age, young people said that old age begins at 54. (laughs) But older people, when they were asked the question, they said youth ended at 42. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm just over that. But praise the Lord anyway. And then they said that old age starts 67. Do you know, it's only a number, isn't it? God's no respecter of persons. The Bible tells us that even if our body is older, in Psalm 103 and verse 5, it says that our youth, thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And the Bible uses the eagle, particularly also in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29 to 31, that the eagle has this great ability as it molts and it gets new feathers, fresh feathers. It's a sign of youth and strength being renewed within us. And praise God, just to encourage us older ones, they'll put me in that sort of bracket, just to encourage us tonight. It says that our outward man does perish, but this inward man is renewed day by day. But everyone's going to agree in this. There's something about being young. And the Bible talks about that. There's something about being young. If you're below 35-ish, I would say that you're still young-ish. I said ish just to try and kiss somebody said I'm 36. 35-ish. I believe that you're still, in many respects, in that period of youth. And there's something unique about young people, and the Bible has a lot to say about it. You see, the young, when David had the thought that he would build a house for God, and ultimately he wasn't allowed to build it because of particular reasons. He was blood in his hands. He was a man of war. But God wanted a house to be built for his name where he would dwell. And David would say, I'll I'll get my son Solomon. He's going to build my house. This is what it says of Solomon. And this is what is important about youth. There's a natural part of someone who's young that their heart is tender. It's tender. In 1 Chronicles 22 and 5, David said, Solomon, my son, is young and tender. And listen to what he was given and trusted with. To build the house of God. A young person was entrusted with this great task. He is going to build me a house. And in that house, that's where I'm going to dwell He was looking for someone who's young. Think about it. Not only are young people uh, tender-hearted, there's a tenderness, but secondly, there's something about young people that they're fearless. Remember, older person, when you were younger, you would tackle anything. When you get a wee bit older, you're a little bit more cautious. Not true. Isn't it true? Listen, I'll tell you how I know it's true. See, when I was a kid, we were in Barry's last week. No Barry's amusements, Port Rouge. When we were in Barry's last week, 
into the amusement. See, when I was brought to Barry's as a kid, I would go on every ride that's going, no fear. But I can't do those spin-around ones anymore. The last time I'd done a spin-around one was in Thunder Lambeth. Stephen Nixon, Jonathan and Jack and Stephen and I were sick for three days. I've never went on one again. I would turn green. I was talking to Kim's uh, daughter, was it Brooke, or was I talking to Brooke yesterday? And I was saying to her, we were up in Barry's, and she says, I love it. I love the feeling you get in your stomach. And I said, what, you, you feel sick? She says, no, no, it's like a buzz. I said, I've never got that buzz. <laughs> There's something about youth that they don't fear things. Isn't that right? There's something raw about youth that, that, that you're not afraid There's a boldness that's raw that God can take and God can use and use it mightily for his kingdom. Youth is fearless. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see a young person called David and older people all around him. And David says, what shall be done to the man that kills the Philistine? Because there was something about the rawness, I know the spirit of the Lord was upon him. I know he had encounters with God, but there was something raw about his youth that he's saying to all the older people, what's going to be done to the man that kills the giant? He looked for men who were young and women who were young to build his house. And now David's saying, I'm willing to do something for Jesus. I'm willing to do something for God. I'm not afraid. But the older people seem to be a little bit more cautious. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 1, it says this about young people. I want you to listen. Remember, I just ask you just to listen for a a few moments tonight. But this is what the Bible says. Remember now. When's now? Now's now. Remember tonight. Remember this meeting. Remember right at this moment. Remember now thy creator. When? When does it say? In the days of your youth. While the evil days haven't come, nor the years have drawn nigh, when I shall say, I have no pleasure in them. Not only do I believe that when you're young, your heart is more soft. You see, I want to tell you, young person tonight, the devil's after your heart. He's after your heart. The Bible says, my son... God speaking, give me what? Give me your heart. The devil wants to harden that heart. He wants to pollute that heart. He wants to fill that heart with all the evil desires of this world to abort the purpose and the plan of God in your life. Friends, I believe that's what the devil desires to do. But I tell you, God's got a great plan for your life. He wants your heart. You see, not only... Are the youth tender-hearted? Not only are they fearless. I want you to hear me tonight. But young people find it easy to believe. They find it easy to believe. There's something about a young person, and like these young girls and these young boys are all at the front. They have no problem in believing for a miracle. None. They believe what they've been taught in Sunday school and what the preacher preaches in the sermons. They actually believe it. They actually do believe it. Older people, not, I'm not saying come, come, present come, they exclude it, of course. But they're a little bit more cautious. They, 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 they seem to want to work the thing out. 
But a young person just simply believes it. Jesus said these words, Suffer the children to come to me, and forbid them not, for this is the kingdom of God. For I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God. What as? There's something about this as a child. He can't even enter in. And he took the children in his arms, and he put his hands on them. And Jesus blessed them. There's something about being young. There's something about youth. J. Edgar Hoover, the clues in the name, it's not. Do you know who he was? Anyone want to take a guess? He was the president. He wasn't the man who made the Hoovers. He was the president of the United States, but his name was Hoover. This is what he said. Here's a quote from him. If you want to change the world, change one generation. Think about that. If you want to change the world, Change one generation. That's exactly what Jesus done. He changed a generation with men whom he met in the Sea of Galilee. Failures deserted them, let them down, but they knew that this Christ was everything and he took them and he made them something they could never be themselves. And with that generation, he turned the world upside down. It only takes one generation to lose the truth doesn't take two or three. If this generation, this is a quote, of young people does not see the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God, then it is lost to the future generations if the Lord tarries. It only takes one generation. One generation. Gideon was a man, a young man, Judges 6 and 13. He says, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is for us, why are all these things going wrong? And where be all the miracles which your father told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. He heard about miracles of the past. But friends, we need to see the reality and the power of God in the present. Whether it be three Hebrew boys, whether it be a David, whether it be an Esther, or whether it be a Ruth, there was a response to the call of God when he called to something bigger than what was theirs. Jesus speaks to Peter and Andrew and James and John. These men are compelled. And I just want you to listen for a few moments tonight. I am coming to a close. Just in five or ten minutes, this will be over. But these men are compelled by the call of a man called Jesus. On these occasions, as Jesus stood on the Sea of Galilee, and he simply says, follow me. Think about it. Follow me. Something captivated their lives, their hearts. And immediately everything that they were doing, straightway or immediately, they dropped everything and they followed Jesus. This word immediately or straightway simply means at once. The compelling, I just want you to hear, the irresistible and the clarity of the voice and the person of Jesus, that it seemed that there was no time for delay. It mattered not who else was on the seashore. It mattered not that someone's father was there. It mattered not that there was business before them. It mattered not about their lives or thought of tomorrow or yesterday. Simply they were captivated just in that instant when Jesus said, follow me. How we need 
the clarity of God and Jesus by the Spirit of God to speak tonight, follow me. This voice that has rang out through the ages, the same voice that spoke the world into being, the same voice that came calling for Adam and Eve in the beginning when they'd fallen into sin and shame and iniquity. And the voice of God in the garden simply cries out, Adam, where are you? Can I tell you, friend, tonight, young person, God knows where you are. God knows where you are. As he tried to hide with the manifestations and the manufacturing of of fig leaves to hide from God. And God comes, the all-knowing God, and says, where are you? When I ask you, young people, where are you tonight? Where are you? God knows, but where are you? Where really are you? Where are you in your life? And this voice speaks to Adam and Eve, our first parents, across that paradise that God had made for them. And as they hide, he speaks, where are you? The voice that spoke to Abraham, who left his brethren went out. The voice that came through a burning bush to Moses at the backside of a wilderness. The voice, the voice of God. God speaks. The voice that called out in the stillness of a night as a young teenager lay asleep in temple accommodation. Samuel, Samuel, God knows your name. God knows everything about you. God knows what you're going through. God knows your battles. God knows your trials. God knows your fears. God knows your hurts. God knows everything about you tonight. And you know what the wonderful thing is? In knowing everything about you, do you know God calls you tonight? God calls me. God calls you. He calls everyone in this room by name. And the same voice, the same voice, Now it's wrapped in a human body with lungs and breath and lips and a mouth and a voice box. That same voice that spoke all of this world into being simply says, follow me. This was no random call. In case you think this is random tonight, in case you think in some way, I I just want you to hear me for a few moments. If you think in some way that This is all just a random coincidence that you're here. I've got news for you tonight. This is no random coincidence. If you think that, well, you have a meeting every Sunday night at 6.30, it just so happens that I decided to come along, and I'm just here just by some big chance, you're wrong. You're actually wrong. This is no coincidence on the shores of Galilee This is a divine moment. This is a special moment in their lives. And this tonight, listen, this tonight is a special moment in your life. This was a moment that's predestined. That means before ever there was a world, God had purposed this meeting tonight. This is purposed. This is appointed. It's the plan of God. Even before these men were born, Listen to this. Even before, what were they doing? They were fishing. But even before there was fish in the sea, and even before there was a sea for the fish, God purposed this meeting 
on the shores of Galilee. God had a purpose. And he would instigate the encounter with two simple words. The four men on the shores of Galilee, follow me. Follow me. Let me ask you tonight, who are you following? Who are you following? Well, I'm following the, the latest star, the latest footballer, the latest pop star, the latest thing. I'm following someone in school. I think they're really cool. I'm following someone who I know in the street or in the football team. I'm following this one or that one. All the impressions of the world. I'm following them. But who are they following? Friends, I want to tell you something. There's only one person that you can follow and he'll lead you to life and that's Jesus. I ask you to think about this truth tonight just for a moment. Young people, older people, listen. Just listen for a moment. This meeting's not by chance. This is no coincidence. This is not purposed by man. Actually, months ago, I've been stirred in the place of prayer for this meeting. God stirred my heart for this meeting. This has been coordinated and planned by God. That I know with every part of my being tonight. This was executed and planned not by man, but by God himself and by the Holy Spirit to reveal to your life the eternal purposes of Almighty God tonight. That still small voice that was heard by those fishermen is speaking in this room tonight. It's not the voice of Tim McElrath. It's not the voice of anyone that's sitting about. But it's the voice, and you know it. You know it. It's the Holy Spirit. It's something that's in the heart. There's a tugging of the Spirit of God in a life. You know there's a battle. Don't think that we don't know about the battle because all of us have gone through the battle. The things of the world are trying to pull us and lure us. How do we know we've lived that life? How the enemy would deceive us in to the things of the world. The thief would come to steal and to kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And the enemy says, no, you're going to miss out. What a lie from the pit of hell. Because the purpose of the enemy is to lie to you and to destroy you. But Jesus' purpose is to give you life. Some young people might say, what do you know about it? Listen, once upon a time, we were all young too. We had her. We were slim. Many of us sadly fell in to the old devil's trap. But Jesus came and rescued us. That still small voice still speaks. Still speaks to you, young person. Still speaks to you. You know what he says? He says that what he said to those men of all those years ago, he says, follow me. Follow me. And straight away, you know what happens? 
Sure we know, don't we? The thoughts come, but what will my friends say? You see, when the voice was so clear and so strong and so real, I want to encourage you tonight, that's the time to immediately obey. That's the time to immediately obey. You see, putting it off, that's one of the worst things you can do. When you know he's speaking, when you know he's stirring, when you know he's drawn, how many of us have turned and walked out the door? But in his mercy, he came again. Hesitation, delay, doubt, indecision, reluctance. It wasn't on the agenda that day. The compelling power of the presence of Jesus and the clarity of his voice was enough for men to drop everything and follow him. There was no meeting about it. There was no discussion about it. There was no let's take five about this. Immediately, they dropped it all and said, we'll follow this man, Jesus. Lord, it can only be the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It can only be the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this meeting tonight that if you have genuinely at the start of this meeting said, I'm willing to open my heart and say, if God, you want to speak to me, I will listen. Then whoever has done that sincerely, I know tonight that you're hearing the voice of God. You're hearing the voice of God. You're knowing in your heart that it is time to spell every doubt and fear. These fishermen on the shores of Galilee responded with a simple and total, immediate, emphatic response. Straightway, immediately, they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Isn't it awesome? Straightway, they followed Jesus. Jesus is calling some in this room tonight that I have no doubt that's why you're here. And the call comes. The call comes. Leave your sin. Leave the mess of your life. The repent to come to Jesus and believe and give Jesus your life, whatever the shape it is, and say, Lord, I surrender all. I surrender to Jesus. I want to say the greatest door-to-door minister ever is Jesus Christ. He stood at countless billions of doors He has stood patiently, gently, softly, and tenderly. And everyone in this room tonight, he stood at the door of your heart and he has knocked. But you see, when you're far from God, you begin to make decisions. Not according to his leading. What you begin to do is you make decisions according to your own feelings. Is that right? I know how this word knows how to make you feel something. It's all around us. 
I tell you, I know it's a different thing. You're not going to believe this if you're below sort of 30. We had no mobile phones. Better we didn't. Because everything's getting your attention. Instant, I don't know all the stuff, all the whatever they are, but I know one thing, people can get you straight away. But who's getting you straight away? And then there's these things on who you're following, follow, 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 follow. Who are you following? And where are they leading? And so the tree's beginning to fall. You don't really think it, but it is. The tree's beginning to fall. And friend, listen, as that tree begins to fall, often that begins to set the course of your whole life. And you've made those decisions in your youth. I want to tell you something. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth. Because God's got a plan for your life. And it's a great plan. Jesus comes to this simple gathering tonight. You know, I can't make anything happen. Neither would I want to. Because we're not really interested in that. But Jesus is in this room tonight. Jesus is speaking to you. And if you've been sincere in your heart to say at the beginning of this meeting, I want to hear. I want to hear God speak to me. I want to tell you something. He's speaking to you. When he spoke to those disciples, they didn't care about who was in the next boat. Not a thought of it. They didn't care about who was walking past. They didn't care about how it's all going to work out. When Jesus said, follow me, straight away, they dropped the nets and they followed him. And he made them men and women, men and women that changed the generation. Friends, the potential in youth, when our young today, I'm saying this in a whole broader aspect, and you young people know this better than us, when our young generation today are ravished with suicide, addictions, torment, a quarter of young girls are self-harming, when the world is in a mess, all are, and you know that, I want to tell you something. It's time for some young people to stand up for Jesus and to give them their lives. It takes courage to give them their lives and says, do you know what? I'm going to follow this man. And this man, friends, he'll never let you down. His name's Jesus. You need to leave it all. That's repentance. Leave it all. And give your life to Christ. Straightway. They heard his voice and they followed him. Is that you tonight, friend? Young person, is that you? You're willing to straight away leave everything and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. Let's pray just for a moment.